You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Actually, it's the the lead play in in our offense. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out at Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. We got Tim live in Green Bay. and We're just going to chalk it up here for, a, I don't know, probably about an hour, talk a little Packers ball, um, you know, kind of dive into some PFF grades from the Lions game, maybe talk some injury updates, and then Really excited about digging into the first quarter of the season and see how we're stacking up with the rest of the league as far as those key positions we talk about, you know, more specifically quarterback, left tackle, interior defensive line, and edge defender. And uh, really excited about jumping into all this stuff. I know we get the chat lighting up already. Jacob, how you been doing, bub? I'm all right. Anytime we lose, I just kind of mope around for these days. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of a blur. And plus it's weird when you have, like, my whole – rhythm is messed up from having it on the Thursday because yeah, you know yeah. I'm used to work it like I woke up Friday morning and I thought like ah oh, Monday morning what a weird way to <laughs> like oh no the weekend's starting like I gotta <laughs> the whole it's just been kind of weird um I rewatched the game just before we went on here today um mm-hmm. and it it was weird I when I rewatched it I was like man it wasn't as bad as I really thought it was in the moment <laughs> Um, and then I watched some Matt LaFleur interviews and again, dude, he is just, he don't give a rip no more, man. He is very, very aggressive. I don't know if you guys saw it. He called out a reporter. He's like, that was a BS question. Like, what, what do you even yeah. ask me that for? But anyways, that being said, I'm good. I'm trying to take it in the stride. The post game show with, uh, with Shavank and you guys, it helped. I think that's yeah. more cathartic than it used to be for me. Cause I would just get, you know, I'd get so mad and then I'd go to bed mad. Just thinking <laughs> <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> It's good to laugh it out and just yeah, talk. About it. 
Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because that's what I wanted to say on here is thank you to everyone who, uh, who tuned into the post game show, especially the people in the chat, you know, and, and I know there were people listening on the pod as well, but man, the chat made it uh, so much easier to handle that loss. Now we got a ton of mess. I mean, a ton of messages of people just saying, Hey, thanks so much, man. I needed this. That's a great way to handle a loss, blah, blah, blah. You know, just, just being really, really uh, upbeat about it and appreciative. Then we had a few, a few, I, th- I think a couple. One that stood out to me was the guy actually said in a comment, he said, Clayton, if you don't start criticizing Joe Barry, I'm going to stop listening. <laughs> I said, you know what, bro? There's the door. <laughs> like, I don't know wow. what to tell you. If you're saying you want me to make stuff up to to match your opinion, I was nice. I was professional. I basically just said, listen, man, if you're if you're demanding for us to agree with your opinion, you're demanding that, you know, then you probably need to find another pod to listen to. It's that simple, man. No hard feelings. This ain't for you because we're, we're going to talk about what we see. That's what we're going to talk about. What's that, Jacob? I said or needs to up those super chats. I mean. He starts throwing some uh, $50 super chats. I'll start saying whatever the heck you want me to do. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I agree, though. There there are aspects where we can talk about this getting into it. Um, I saw a couple plays spe- uh, specifically on the goal line where it looked like the formation for uh, one of the goal line runs that Montgomery had. It looked like un- unreal. Um, I don't remember exactly which down and distance. We'll have to look into it. But uh, I think Goose sent me some sort of – snapshot and yeah basically we had like three down linemen and that was it and we basically were playing like some really weird coverage kind of stuff like on the three yard line which montgomery kind of just walked right in to the left side mm-hmm. if i bring the, the play correctly but you know i mean that's you could tell again that lafleur in his interviews he said almost verbatim that if we keep doing what we're doing it's the definition of insanity mm-hmm. so and that was basically i believe in reference to them specifically asking how do we how do you guys start stopping the run because if I'm not yeah. mistaken, two of those four games we've had now, they've rushed for over 200 yards, which is I, – I don't know how they – I don't know how we expect to win games if we're going to do that. So, Yeah, yeah, and he, he kind of walked that comment back today. Now, there's a bunch of riders that are leading with that title, um, which is cool. Do what you want to do. Um, as far as the goal line stuff, there was one specific that I was like, man, that's a tough look with two down linemen at the goal line. Made no that's sense. What I'm right? thinking, yeah. And I'm going to be talking about that on Shock Talk. Now, there was two more where Quay completely chose the wrong gap, got too aggressive on the outside. It happens. And then uh, another time where uh, Preston Smith and Rasul Douglas took the same run gap and left the, the B gap wide open. So, you know, like, like I said before, there's plenty of blame to go around. Um, there's no doubt about that. Now, in, the only argument I had on Joe Barry was like you said inside the five there was a couple times it's like joe that's a bad look bro now you know on the time that that preston and rasul jumped the gap they had they basically had a four they had a six man what i call a a four three flat line where they had six guys on the line of scrimmage and it was a four three defense um they've shown that more and more here lately but there was that one specific play inside the five where they just had two down linemen but tim you were at the game man i don't want to harp on the game from a negative standpoint too much, but um, did anything stand out to you like being there live in the stadium? I know a, a lot of chatter happened about um, the, uh, the Detroit Lions fans, you know, showing up in force. And mm-hmm. I don't want to, I definitely don't want to get on here and just bash the Milwaukee crowd because the, you know, 
yes, that was the gold package, right? And we talked about it. Um, but to put everybody who's who owns, you know, the gold package into that same category is wrong. And to pretend yeah. like they they just handed their tickets over to a Detroit Lions fan, that's actually inaccurate, right? At the same time, it's frustrating. You can't have that happen on division games. I personally blame the team for making the gold package division game at at Lambeau. You know what I mean? And and one on a Thursday night too, Tim, where you used to live in Milwaukee. That's a a tough ride back, you know, whatever. People – I'm not saying they would have to work the next day or whatever, but it's not ideal. I would say, say, look, let's keep – Let's keep the gold package away from Thursday night games, right? And yep. you know, specifically division games. And if the Milwaukee crowd does raise stink about, well, we want division games too. We want to be able to watch them. Then maybe you readjust. But man, Tim, that that just can't happen. Was it as bad as it looked on TV? Yeah, um, they did. You know, it looked a little worse there at the end because obviously, like you know, a lot of those Lions fans just kind of gravitated down towards uh the railing and they all grouped together after the game so when they hit that that aerial shot that we all have seen a million times Mm -hmm. it does look worse than it was but however i mean there was blue all over that stadium like smattered around lambo and uh i agree with your point you know gold package or not everyone has the ability to sell tickets if they have tickets to the game you know and a lot of times there's no guarantee you even know who you're necessarily selling it to anyway, right? They're they're on an exchange, they're picked up. I mean, it, it all depends. So, um, you know, and you can't put this all on the Milwaukee crowd because uh, I have family that was up for the game. They came right. up, some stayed with me, some drove back and went to work the next morning. You know, that's diehard fandom right there. You know, you got to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. You're getting back to Milwaukee at like 2 one thirty, two o'clock in the morning by the time you leave, you know, the greater Lambeau vicinity and make it make it to the freeway to get out of there. So, I mean, not everybody dumps their tickets. Um, the one thing I will say about, you know, the Lions fans, it's like I, I got to experience some of the most classless, disgusting behavior I've ever experienced from opposing fans in going to games at Lambeau Field since I was, you know, a young kid. So, that was a little disheartening. Now, you know, the couple of fans that I had bad interactions with, I'm not saying are indicative of all Detroit Lions fans, but let right. me tell you guys, Detroit Lions, the, the Lions are not the cute, harmless little team in the division anymore that we don't pay attention to. And these fans are acting like they've already won something. Like they, they're, they're ready to talk. Like they're, they're, they're playing winning football in Detroit for the first time in you know like 70 years or whatever it is so um naturally there's no reason they can't be excited but you know the thing i was trying to stress to a lot of these these guys that uh i saw there was that like you have to respect where you are you know you're you're at lambeau field and i don't know about you guys but if we all caravaned up to ford field and and went and saw the game on thanksgiving on the road i'm pretty sure we wouldn't be like personally disrespecting lions fans in their own building you know, so I'll just leave it at that. I saw a little bit of, little also, bit of hate. I, I wouldn't want to get murdered in Detroit, so there is that. Right. <laughs> oh man, got stuffy in here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm saying we can't really go to Chicago. We can't go to Detroit. We can't go to Minneapolis. It's very, it's nice to have a Green Bay 
Be thankful. I mean, you know, you should be able to go anywhere and watch a football game, in right? Theory. And that that's 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 my whole thing is like, you know, you you want to talk a little trash? I mean, yeah, we were getting it handed to us. Like, I'm not I'm not upset that you're talking a little trash after your 457th first down. You know, like I get it, but to like personally attack Packer fans or you know. Yeah. Drop f bombs left and right, like at, you know f Lambo, f this. Like, come on, man! Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna tell you how to fan, but you know it starts with respect, and it's a two way street. So, uh, be on your your p's and q's, uh, boys and girls out there when you're when you're at these games, especially on the road. You know, because as yeah. many many fans from Detroit that were there, you they were still outnumbered. So, I mean, let's not forget that it wasn't like they. You know, they use that word. We took over the stadium. It's like, well, I don't know. There were still more Packer fans. So, I mean, that's not a, a full line. We've seen we've seen stadium takeovers. You know, our fans have done that. We've taken over, you know, Carolina's stadium or we a few years back. We, you know, went before Miami got their stuff together and they were terrible. We've taken over those stadiums and you literally have seen at least a 50 50 ratio of Packers to you know, home team fans. Um, so I certainly wasn't like that, but you know, I don't have a problem with fans having access to, to tickets. That's what these exchanges are for. That's why things are done the way they're done. If you want to give up your tickets, that's fine. Um, but I definitely agree with the sentiment that why have these tickets if, if that's what you do, if, you know, there's people that are waiting for decades to try and get, you know, tickets. So, I mean, yeah. To each his own, man. You know, it, no, it's I, more. It was more the behavior of the fans that that got me. You know, I got you. Yeah, so. Jacob, you were going to say something, man. What do you got, Bob? Well, no, I think that all of a sudden the Lions have this newfound confidence because I just read the stat that Dan Campbell is the first Detroit head coach to win four straight games against the Packers since 1982-1983 season. So that's a year I was born, bro. I was going to say, I wasn't even born then, so we got 40-year-olds that are out here just, like, losing their minds. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this is their <laughs> epitome, what it's been to be a, a Detroit fan. They got they got to keep pulling up those stats, though, because they still haven't won anything. You know well, what I mean? True. Like, you got to go you got to go and get these – you got to dig through the, the history books and pull up some successes, just like we talked about last year's um, – playoff game was their that was like their super bowl you know ending our season keeping us out of the the playoffs and they still didn't make the playoffs they weren't playing for a playoff spot last year right they were a a eight nine football team also yeah so you know like they're talking now like they're gonna win it all and you know they you know division is gonna come down to i still believe it's gonna be between the packers and the and the lions for this division so and like rashawn gary said today on social media that there's 17 games for a reason it ain't over yet yeah. And and you know what, Jacob, let them talk, dude. Let them talk. Yep. Let the let you know, I'm people are going to laugh at me, they're going to scoff at this, but I'm a firm believer in the football gods. I'm just telling you right now. Um let let this sounds like the Vikings is what it sounds like. Remember yeah. several years ago when the Vikings got good and it was just all and and we always kept you know, continued to post the picture of their the meme with their trophy case, right? With nothing in it, <laughs> just to remind them. And they would always fall flat on their face. I don't know a single Detroit Lion fan personally, so I can't speak from experience. But um, you know, that's uh, I definitely I know you, Tim. And if they ticked you mm-hmm. off, then I'm sure they were being disrespectful. But hey, it's like people were saying in the chat, you mix in alcohol 
with right. a warning events and it's going to happen. But we got Tom Spalding. Actually, let's do a quick roll call. We got Tom in the house. We got Boz. We got Will. We got William. We got Elliot Bean. We got a full house in here. Goose. <laughs> he says gold package can end the day. Goose going straight in on it. And we got uh, we got Josh Martin in the chat. Good stuff, guys. All right. So Tom Spalding said, isn't a two and two record for a first year starter without key players? A bunch of key players, too, Tom, with two home, two away games. Kind of what what many of us said we'd be good with. I definitely thought that way. No panic here. Yeah, you know, when we started the season, Tom, my prediction was six to ten wins. And by the time we got to week one, after seeing the preseason, following training camp, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm feeling like I'm probably in that eight win range now, right? Come out week one. You guys heard me after week one, you know, absolutely boat racing the Bears. I'm like, I could see 10 wins. This feels like a 10-win team, just the, you know, the momentum it's built. Coming out of Atlanta, you know, you you drop that uh that heartbreaker there, and it's like uh, you know, you you kind of take a take a step back, right? And it's like, okay, maybe, maybe we're in that nine-win range. Then you have that huge come from behind win against the Saints, against a great defense, in my opinion, top five defense overall. And uh you know, you're, you're kind of back in that 9-10 to 10 range. You lose this game here against the Lions at home, which, like I said, people were acting like we were going into this game. Everybody's going, oh, dude, yeah, it's the Lions. We'll take care of business. Everybody was, you know, many of us predicted a Packers win. But, Jacob, it wasn't like we were confident in that, right? It was it was more along the lines of, you know, I think the score is going to be, you know, less than a touchdown. I think the Packers come out on top. And, of course, Jake Shavink right here on the show, you know, he predicted the Packers loss. So now I've got us somewhere right there in that eight win range again. Eight to nine wins is kind of what I'm looking at. And like Tom said in the chat, Jacob, I mean, that's kind of what we expected, right? I mean, Vegas had them at seven, right? Yeah. I mean, and I'm going to be, I'm going to keep putting this out there because I was very firmly saying that we are a 10 win team from the start. I still think we're a 10 win team. I think that right now to be two and two is pretty impressive. And when I'm being honest with myself, we could, we should probably be a one and three team, um, and and it's wouldn't necessarily say that that is uh, to scoff at because the way that we've played these games, like um, Lafleur talked about in one of his press conferences, he was very proud of the fact of the way we played in the second half of that game against the Lions. I'm very proud of the way, obviously, we played in the fourth quarter of the game against the Saints. Super proud of the whole game against the Bears. Super, we only lost by one point against the Falcons, guys. We were we've been in these games. We're not giving up and. Again, we've talked about the fact we don't have to, to be two and two to have not any of our like star players, like literally none of our star players playing for most of these first four games. I think right now that every single stat line, every single PFF grade, everything should have an asterisk next to it because it does not paint the full picture. What we're doing right now is we're, we're piecing together a team that I would not have expected to have four or I'm sorry, have two wins out of four. Uh, games where we we again did not have our key players not even close so i'm not freaking out at all yet um i I still think that we're going to be a 10-win team if not even more and i do think that we played i think detroit could be a top five team this year i really do think that in the whole nfl i think they have the best when i i we talked about that too clayton about how um we we were seemingly confident i called my dad that morning of of thursday morning and i was like dude we're not gonna win this game i was like i'm looking at all the analytics from just a, a PFF standpoint from more of the fantasy football standpoint and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, these guys just are, they're a really good team. And if they, if we don't have these certain players in place, I just don't see us winning. And I will say that I do not like the play calling in any capacity 
on on the floor side as to why Jones and Christian Watson. I read a stat that both of them didn't touch the ball or something, or that Jones didn't touch the ball until we were down by twenty four. Yeah. That's the case. That's that's crazy. So well, we we play to win the game. Is not we shouldn't be playing not to get injured. Yeah. So yeah, if guys right. if guys are green lit and they're a go and they're in yeah. pads and they're suited, they should be going full throttle. I mean, that's just my take on it. No, I, mean, and, and I don't know. That's that's why Green Bay takes this cautious approach, right? So when they're ready, they're ready. Wrong. What? What the hell are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's it's crazy, for sure. Uh, Goose in the chat said, "I'd love to ask Mike Wall where mentality comes from for a football team. Is it the coaching, the players, everything? I think every locker room's a little bit different. Every team's a little bit different, Goose. But that's a great question. When I have him back on, I would like to ask him that. I'm going to tell you, man. He was he was defending Joe Barry. He turned on the tape and watched these guys not playing. You know, from an offensive lineman's perspective, and you know, I." Shared that in a in a Twitter uh, a, a Twitter chat that that you know I've been added to like what feels like ten thousand Twitter chats, which is cool, but I just can't keep up with them. And it's like why be in there if I can't engage, you know? Because but anyway, um, I just shared that in there and said, you know, guys, you should probably try to put a little more stock into former players' opinion when they're breaking down a tape as opposed to people who have never played the game. And they, you know, obviously hold grudges against specific players. This, oh my God, there was a couple of them. They took it too hard, buddy. They were, they were, how dare you? Right. I'm like, I'm just saying, like, you know, it'd be like asking me for medical advice, bro. I ain't no damn doctor. You hear my accent. You think I'm going to give you advice on how to take care of your body? Robitussin. (laughs) And, you know, everybody, I'm not telling anybody, you know, how to fan, right? And, and I, you know, kind of put that in there as well. Like, look, you can fan how you want. I'm just saying that's that's how I approach it. I'm not going to put much stock into someone who's never played the game, never coached the game, never been in the front office, never done anything. Comparing them to people who have is just, you know, it's mind-boggling that people would choose the other side to me. But, hey, what do I know, man? Um, so let's see here. Look at Dakota. Dakota fired up. He said, hey, Tim's finally allowed to show his face. What's up, sir? <laughs> yeah, man. We got him. Clayton got me set up, man. He got me all set up. Sent me a care package. Let's see. All right, here we go. This is uh, Tom Spalding's breaking it out for us. He said, Tom Silver. Is this Silverstein or Silverstein? I know they call him Spoon. What is it? Silverstein. Silverstein. Okay. Tom Silverstein thought maybe LaFleur was using Watson and Jones as, quote, window dressing, decoys, so to speak. Uh, healthy enough to get on the field and draw attention, not to fully participate, kind of like uh, uh, Terrell uh, or yeah, was it Terrell or Terrell Davis? How do you Terrell Davis? How you say it, right? Mm-hmm. Davis back in the day in the Super Bowl, remember he had the migraine, and they were like, "Look, he's like, I can't see, Coach. You ain't got to see. We're, we're yeah. not giving it to you, but they need to think you're getting it, right?" Um, I think there probably was a little bit of that, especially the way they deployed them. But uh, you know, it is what it is. There was a couple times that J Love locked onto Christian Watson and wasn't looking at anybody else. And that, that kind of drove me crazy because we seen that with 12 last year with Lazard and Cobby and a couple mm-hmm. other people. But uh, anyway, all right, let's get into some of what we were going to cover here real quick. Let's talk about the Lions PFF grades. But before we do, I want to hit on this. This is the game by game PFF uh, season grades for the green Bay Packers. So, Against the Bears, just a recap, 75.7 overall grade. Against the Falcons, 65.9. Against the Saints, 67.9. Against the Lions, 64.1. So that was our worst performance of the year so far. Um, Offensively, a 66.0. Passing, 67.2. Pass blocking, 60.4. Receiving, 63.4. 
running grade 61.7, run blocking 60.6, defensive grade 57.4, run defense 53.2, tackling 48.2, pass rush 61.7, coverage grade of 58.3, special teams grade of 64.0. If you put any stock into PFF, what that basically tells you was the players did not perform well at all. (laughs) I mean, across the board, there was plenty of blame to go around. The glaring sore spots was on the defensive side of the ball, run defense 53.2 and the tackling grade of 48.2, absolutely abysmal, and then the coverage grade of 58.3, which I'll show you guys on Chalk Talk. There was a ton of blown coverage. There's no doubt about that. Now, the high point of the entire game, and this might shock you, was the passing grade of 67.2. That was the high point. And, Jacob, I kind of heard some stats there in the second half that love, I didn't realize he played as well as he did in the second half. It was so bad in the first half, but it sounded like he went on a little bit of a run. Was he like 18 of 22 in the second half? Did you hear anything about that? I was going to say it was, yeah, I believe. I thought I heard 17 at 23 or something like that, but that gotcha. was yeah, pretty much exactly what I thought. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we did talk about other things too. I mean, there there were some decent performances in there. Um, when you look at Jordan Love, though, um, I just I, it doesn't look like PFF likes him, and I just don't I don't quite understand it because um, you know when we look at Jordan Love, I see a lot more talent. I think that they do grade him maybe harshly because he seems like he does let go of some crazy throws here and there, um, and some very easy throws seemingly get over you know overthrown and underthrown and does that. I don't know if you guys remember, but that weird play where he looked like he was about to get sacked, so he tried to shovel pass the Brett Favre shovel pass out to the receiver that had already turned around and ran away. And so this has definitely been – I just don't like the trend that I'm seeing him start to play more sloppy, it feels like, and more sporadic. And I know that that has to do with the offensive line. Like, I know it does. Um, mm-hmm. Just John uh, – John uh, Josh Myers is just not – just not it. Uh, I Bro. think I'm throwing that towel right there. And it's, Royce Newman, I don't even know what we're trying to do with Royce. I, I just so for yeah. Jordan Love to be out there, I watched and again I rewatched and it was I, I couldn't believe how I thought Jordan was taking a lot of those sacks and not being evasive. Yeah. He had nowhere to go. He couldn't do anything. He was but, just being full rushed. I, I did at, feel that that way too. Oh, I'm sorry, Clayton. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I, I in the sacks he took though, I counted it off. Like I I counted the seconds, each of the sacks over four seconds, he held the ball. Like you can't do that in the NFL. You've got to know. You got to throw it away or get rid of it. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, no, I was going to say, I noticed that too. I was screaming that in the stands, like get rid of it or tuck it and run, get out of there. And and I think maybe these, these first three games with relatively clean pockets, you know, I think he's kind of built this, He's had a little bit of comfortability being able to drop back and get through progressions and get to his reads. Mm-hmm. And Detroit just took that away from the from the very beginning. Um, and I just don't think we, you know, that was frustrating to watch that. And we I don't I felt like we didn't make in-game adjustments quick enough. Whether that's the line, the play calling, whatever, whatever it is from from defense, offense, everything. That things were not working and we just kept banging our head against the wall. And then you kind of saw late in the game, finally Jordan started to get the feet moving a little and, and you know, stepping up into that, you know, non-existent pocket <laughs> and trying to make a make a play. But, yeah, I agree. I thought he stood in there and, and took some shots that we probably didn't need to. 
Yeah, and you know the other thing too. Uh, Josh Martin said Goose uh, he was missing open receivers. Do you guys remember earlier in the week when I drew up the uh, I drew up the drive concept, the levels play, and I was like, here's how you want to attack them because yeah. of the linebacker play, yeah. bro. They drew one up. It wasn't necessarily a drive concept. First of all, a drive concept is when you have a shallow cross with a backside dig. So you're attacking high low, right? And you're forcing them to make a decision. And you've got two different windows on each of those routes. We ran what we call uh, digs, double digs, right? So we basically ran two digs off the side and we stretched the field vertically to try to get the, the safeties out of the picture, right? And then he'll have two horizontal windows. That was the play where you guys will remember he had a receiver wide open over the middle and he overshot him, basically overthrew him. That was early in the first quarter. Um, those are the plays you've got to make. Those are the layups we were talking about. That, that's the one he hit Watson on later on, right? He hit Watson was wide open in the middle of the field, yeah. sitting down on one of those, and he yeah. hit him. It might, yeah. yeah, and there was one time he he connected on a wrap concept as well, but um, and and they they did on that that double dig play on the right side what they did was they ran a sit to draw the linebacker away as well. They stretched the field vertically to take the safeties out of the picture. You just got to make that throw, man. You do. Yeah. And and those are the inaccuracies we're talking about. There's going to be growing pains. There's no doubt about it. Um, let's do this. Let's go on to the uh, uh, the offensive grades for the Packers against the Detroit Lions. All right, so – Samori Torre only played uh, 11 snaps, but he graded out the highest at a 76.6. Romeo Dobbs, 50 snaps, 71.6. Zach Tom, 70.9. Now, he held his own. Keep in mind, they did move Aiden Hutchinson around quite a bit, so it wasn't like Aiden was lined up on him all night. But he held his own against Aiden when they did match up. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think he got beat. Uh, horribly, but I haven't keyed in on that aspect of the tape. I'm on my second pass through right now. Um, Jordan Love, 68.1. Guys, I, I'll be real. I thought I was I was surprised by that. Another thing that happened, I'll talk about it here in a second. Remind me to talk about what I've seen uh, in some of the mistakes Jordan Love made in the first quarter there. But Jaden Reed, 67.6. Josh Myers, 65.0. Josiah DeGuara, 64.8. Rashid Walker, 63.4. Christian Watson, 60.8. And then uh, after that, it, it turned into hot duty. I do want to mention this. Um, Royce Newman, 42.7. Uh, uh, yeah. So, and John oh, Runyon. Newman. John Runyon, 55.5. Um, Josh Myers had a 65.0, surprisingly. That is really good for Josh Myers. It, it really is. Um, but run blocking grade-wise, Josiah DeGora got an 88.6. And um, run blocking for Zach Tom, 83.5. That is a pleasant surprise there. Now, he struggled at pass blocking a bit, 59.8. But overall, uh, you know, handling uh, Aiden Hutchinson, who sets the edge really, really well, obviously that run blocking grade picked him up a lot. Unfortunately, no one else decided to show up and run block. But uh, offensively there, Jacob, um, what stands out to you? And then I'll mention what I was talking about with Jordan. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I mean, right off the bat, the one that I took notes on was uh, Jaden Reed. Um, not specifically just for this game, but, um, I guess overall, just, he, again, seems to be coming up with a lot of like low key, big plays. I looked it up and I believe that out of all of our, of our wide receivers, he has the most quote unquote big plays, which is, I believe is plays of over 20 yards. He has explosive. Yeah. Um, 16.9 average, two touchdowns, 12 receptions, two or three. I think he's like number two or number three on the, in the team and receiving yards. So. Super excited about that. Um, the Zach Tom thing again. I where was he? I believe I had him ranked. Yeah. So right now, Zach Tom is overall ranked thirteenth right now, which uh, with a seventy six point three offensive grade, seventy four point seven pass block grade, and what, I, what you just talked about, he's right now the eighth best tackle in run blocking grade, which is seventy six point zero, which is pretty cool. Um, I didn't expect that. I want it to. To, to keep going but like you talked about i'm just i look at those three interior linemen and i just think i don't know how we're going to go into the postseason if we can get there and actually be a, a an actual team you're not going to go against philadelphia you're not going to go against uh against miami against san francisco against any of these power like houses that can run the ball down your throat and stop the ball and i i just especially like you know josh myers we're excited the guy got like a 65 grade oh cool isn't he like, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's supposed to be one of the best centers that came out of the league in a long time, you know, Ohio state guy, big bodied. I just, I expect more from him and I'm more disappointed or I guess worried about,
about John Runyon Jr. Like, why are you slipping? Why are you starting to slip? If anything, I would expect that he'd be more of a staple to help out that right tackle, mm-hmm. especially in the passing game or in the, in the passing blocking game. And it just seems like he's kind of weirdly taking some slowly consistent steps backwards. So that, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. And then obviously at Royce Newman, I don't even know what to do at left guard, man. I'm just, uh, yeah. I think, I think we're bleeding right now. The team is going to be bleeding from those specific three positions. Center yeah. left, left guard and right guard. Tim offensively, man. Uh, bring me uh, Yash right now. Um, bring me <laughs> where? where? I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> give me, give me Sean Ryan too. Put Sean Ryan out there too. I'm, I'm so over it. I was it. screaming that during the game. I couldn't believe we had to see. We kept having to just repeatedly see this. Like just make a personnel change. What, what is the worst that could happen? Somebody blocks somebody. You know, like that was frustrating. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about being a young team, and you know, the one bright spot I guess is we talked about on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Quay Walker being thrown into the fire last year as a rookie and having to play a lot of football very quickly. We're seeing that with Rasheed Walker. And um, I think this is going to really build, build some character and, and some power for him at that, that left tackle spot, which might be the, the bright side of this offensive line debacle. And then, you know, Zach Tom, yeah, clearly that the knee is supposedly not super serious, but it it's affected him a little bit in his mobility um, against elite pass rushing, um, as we saw, but in the middle there, like, yeah, let's, let's start the musical chairs. Let's, let's put someone in at center. Let's, let's experiment with our guards. Cause, cause honestly, like, although that's famous last words, right? Oh, it can't get any worse. And then it does. So I don't know, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe Matt LaFleur is just thinking like, let these guys play through the, play it out of them and, and build. But I mean, man, we're four games in, and it, it – I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, Goose said, can we move Stenovich back to O-line coach, LOL. Man, that, it seems to be it's, – it's definitely taking a step backwards. Um, now, I will say this. Every time I talk o- offensive line or, or, or watch the tape, I, I try to run it through the filter of Mike Wall and the things that he's told me both offline and, and on the show as well. And it's like the, the main thing that stood out to me was, you know, he was talking about their – you know, a great line can do anything. They'll do anything you ask them to, right? And they'll they'll do it good. This is not a great offensive line, okay? Uh, without Bakhtiari, without Elton Jenkins, they're hands down the two best players. Zach Tom is the third best offensive lineman. Obviously, he's healthy. Um, he really likes Rasheed Walker, says Rasheed Walker has good feet. I think we've seen that. I think the, the tape kind of shows that as well. Um, now, when I seen Royce Newman pulling on a counter play, he was the lead blocker, I went. All I could hear was Mike Wall going, they're asking them to do things they can't do, Clayton. I'm telling you. And he whiffed. You'll see it on shot. It did look pretty. Oh, it it was, did not look pretty. I know. I already know what you're talking about. I do, too. He even, he like, that time, that. he got up and he was like, oh. He no. got up and AJ, <laughs> AJ Dillon had to put a spin move on him. Can we, smack can him we the run back how many times back. he had his back to the defensive yes. line, too? Oh, yeah, my Not gosh. a good thing. Not a good thing. Yeah. Like I'm waiting for Jordan Love or AJ Dillon or both to go. Royce, we shouldn't be looking each other in the eye, bro. Like that's not how this is supposed to go. Okay. But uh, as far as Jordan Love, one of the things that you could tell Matt Lafleur schemed up, and then we'll move on to defense. I've seen it on tape. They they did what what I refer to as a lead swing. Okay. They run a swing pass and they have a lead blocker. So it's kind of like 
it's almost like a screen pass, right? So yep. imagine you're 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 running a swing pass and you've got a lead blocker. One time they did F motion, flyer motion with Jaden Reed. He was going to be the lead blocker. Another time they had DeGuara flexed out as the U. They brung him, they shifted him over to H and then ran the swing pass with him being the lead blocker. Both times, Tim, both times it was wide open. A plus one hat count, yep. at least 10-yard gain, and Love didn't even look to it. He tried to force a slant in to, to Dobbs on the left side. And then the other time, I believe, was the play where he was staring Watson down and didn't ever come yeah. back to it. To me, it looked like his his reads were mixed up right out of the gate. Now, listen, I'm not in the film. I, I'm not in the meeting room. I, I don't know. On this play, I don't know who the number one read is. You can typically tell who the number one read is by the quarterback's eyes. Where they mm-hmm. go first, that's what the play's designed to do. Now, when you look at that, that, that lead swing, I didn't look at it as a check down. To me, it was supposed to be half and half, split the field down half. Okay, if you get this look, great. Here's where you're going. They were playing press man on Romeo Dobbs. Not an ideal situation on a slant. You know, when they're playing off, that's when you're looking to hammer that slant because they can't react, right? So, to me, the key would have been, okay, press man. We're not going to the slant. Maybe give a quick look at Luke Musgrave, then look to the swing, then maybe come back to the second window of the slant might have been the read. But again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand the uh, the reads and the side adjustments better than a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's just kind of what I've seen in that scenario. So do you, do you um, think that was due to like the fact that he just, he was getting speed rushed left and right. And the, like, that just throws your, your progression timing off and, and plus, you know, let's be honest, coach wasn't calling a very great, great offensive game, yeah. especially early well, on. That's the thing too, though. One thing that's getting overlooked is the second drive. We we had a run call and Jordan canned out of it. Right. So, so it's like, that's, is that on the floor? Now we're not in the meeting. LaFleur may have told him if you get this look, can out to the pass. Now, there's typically two plays every – I don't want to get in all this. You guys know this. You know more about football than me. They Like, there's two plays when you come to the line, you've got a can play, right? So you've got the call and you've got a can. This, to me, looked like an inside zone run, and then they had a can keyed up. And, and again, I can't remember the exact play because I've got it queued up for Chalk Talk. I went through I – I got so depressed going back through it, but I'm glad I did because you get a little bit better understanding of what went wrong. But, again, that situation there – completely killed the drive. I think the next play he took a sack and then the next play um, he had that lead swing open or it was a wide loop to Musgrave, which by the way, on a third and long, the the defender was at the sticks and Musgrave was wide open. There was nobody between him and the sticks other than that one defender at the sticks. And you'd like to think Luke Musgrave, full head of steam, could make that DB miss in space. But Love was trying to force it down the left side. Now there might have been something they were showing on pre-snap that I don't even understand that was forcing him to go to that read first. But it was just there was a lot left on the field, and I was surprised when I went back and, like I said, seen the statistics for for Love there in the second quarter. Although, you know, by that time when you're up that big, let's be honest, the defense is kind of playing prevent a little bit, right? You're just okay. Let's make them use up the clock, that type of thing. And then of course he threw the. The, the real bad interception down there inside the 20 late in the game as well, where um, Romeo Dobbs broke the route off at the, at the splits. That was just bad. It was just bad luck to be honest with you. You know, I mean, he, 
Jordan was running out of time. He held the ball too long. There was one play. He held it for six seconds, took a sack. I was just like, I don't, this can't happen. This cannot happen. And you got to throw that ball away. And he's done good, not necessarily throwing it away, but evading the rush. They just had his number, man. Um, But again, I was surprised by the grade. I'm pleasantly surprised, I'll say. And uh, the statistics in the second half, it's just, he kind of turns it on there toward the end. But what you said about LaFleur, you know, the way I seen it was everything that could go wrong went wrong checking out of the first down uh, run. And and I've heard people say, well, they were loading the box. They were loading the box. Whether they load the box or not, you cannot come out and go two two consecutive drives to open in the game without a single running run. You can't do that, especially when you've got checkdowns open and you're refusing to take the checkdowns. You know, you heard uh, him talk the other day. I think Jordan actually said that Aaron's advice to him was checkdowns are your friends. Like, use use the checkdowns, right? And he – doesn't like to use the check downs. He wants to wing it, wing it down the field. And when it hits, we're all excited. When it doesn't, we're sitting here going, use your check downs. That's just the way we are. That reminds me of someone else who used to play quarterback in Green Bay. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the defensive PFF grades. Rashawn Gary does it again, 82.4. Rudy Ford, my boy, 73.4. Kobe Wooden, 71.9. Corey Ballantyne, 70.1. Eric Wilson, um, 66.7. Justin Holland, 62.3. TJ Slayton, 62.0. Jonathan Owens, uh, just two snaps. Probably shouldn't even mention it, 60.1. Quay Walker, 58.6. As far as bad, bad grades, 30 snaps for Kingsley and Igbari, 45.7. Lucas Van Ness, 37 snaps, 46.1. Keyshawn Nixon uh, on Twitter today, blasting fans for giving him a hard time. Uh, PFF agreed with the fans, I guess, um, 48.8. Um, Carrington Valentine, 51.8. Darnell Savage, 51.9. Savage obviously took a step back. Jacob, what sticks out to you right there, man, on defense? Um, A lot of things, to be honest. Uh, specifically for this game, obviously, I love seeing Gary. This this blew my mind, dude. So I looked up Gary's stats this year. He's obviously, uh, for the overall grade right now, he's got an 85.3 PFF grade. He's the 12th overall ranked edge. He has only five total tackles. Three of them are solos, two of them are assists, but he has three and a half sacks, three tackles for a loss, and a one pass deflection. I mean, like, if this guy finally breaks out of whatever the snap count thing is he's got, he's going to be I, I just he's on pace for freakish, freakish numbers there. Um, in addition to that, I like seeing Jonathan. Well, Jonathan Owens only played two snaps, but it's TJ Slayton, Hollins, Wilson, Ballantyne, and Wooden, guys that you don't expect to have good, you know, great games. They, they stepped up. I especially love seeing Colby Wooden because it seems like he'd been more on the um, the bottom half of the roster as far as the PFF grades lately. Uh, and, and I guess the opposite side of that would be seeing Luke, Lucas Van Esk, Nixon, and then Enigbare there on the bottom. I just – that's not encouraging. Also <laughs> around the likes of Valentine, Savage, and Clark. I mean, those are guys that we really had high hopes for, and their, their grades are not good. I mean, especially the Valentine and uh, Nixon grades in the tackling. I mean, you want to know why maybe these running backs are breaking out, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 yard rushes. Because once they get outside, our, our, our cornerbacks are just kind of little sissies when it comes to trying to tackle and put their head down. Rasul's okay, but it seems like everybody else, um, I don't know. It just, I, I want a little bit more thunder, man. I want more biting ankles. I want more Dan Campbell. Nolan on kneecaps, right, man? Exactly. Right. Um, let's see. We had a comment here I wanted to hit on. Uh, um, let's see here. 
Goose in the chat said the answer is, as Ryan pointed out on his pod, the organization has decided they don't care about stopping the run. There is a lot of truth to that. Um, what this defense is built around is pass rush, period, case closed. Uh, you know, first-round corners and pass rush. They're, they, You know, I, I talked about it earlier on, on Twitter, you know, talking to uh, people in, in private messages and stuff was like, Listen, you. We all talked about this in the off season. It's obvious that they put a premium on pass rush, right? That's great and all, but you've you you know when you focus on just the physical traits, and what I mean by that is your RAS is not specifically RAS, but the equivalent to RAS in the Packers' eyes is your athletic build, right? How fast you are, how big you are compared to everyone else, um, quickness, you know, uh, what they call explosion things like that, a combination of vertical jump with acceleration through, obviously, uh, cone drills, things like that. When you put the emphasis on that and not necessarily on the tape, a good example is Brian Branch. Brian Branch, is he's a physical player. He's too small to play safety. Okay, gotcha. So he's a, he's a nickelback. Okay, could we have used that this year? Yeah. Now, granted, if we draft Brian Branch, then we can't draft – insert player's name, right? I got you. But it just goes to show you they don't even look at those players. They're looking for those high ceiling RASs, right? And when you do that, what do you get? You get people who can cover. When I say cover, they've got the physical ability to run alongside anybody in the league, but you end up with a bad run defense. Now, the league has shifted to this. They're willing to give up the run to limit the explosive plays, right? Uh, in the passing game. You know, people forget that we came out on fire on defense. We absolutely came out on fire. It was going back on the field, three and out, three and out, three and out, right, is what got them gassed. And uh, then there was blown coverages. Rasul blew a coverage. Uh, Darnell Savage blew a coverage. This was all basically what Chalk Talk this week's going to be, and it's going to be tomorrow um, since we don't have a game. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Basically, Chalk Talk is going to be how did we go down 24 to 3? And we're going to go play after play after play after play. And you're going to see there's blame on offense. There's blame on Jordan Love. There's blame on the offensive line. There's blame on Matt LaFleur. There's blame on defense. There's blame on scheme. There's blame on, you know, the inability to uh, to actually execute on defense. Like people were mentioning in the chat, people not being able to tackle, um, people not being able to cover and, and being too aggressive covering. You know, Jared Goff, I don't know if you guys heard this, but after the game, Jared Goff went up to Rasul Douglas and said, we knew we were going to get you on that. That's what he said to him. They practice all week. They practice all week and called the play because they knew he was going to jump the route. Yep. And why is that? My mind, when I read that, my mind immediately went to the Rasul Douglas interception in Atlanta. Do you you guys remember when he picked that 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 little lame duck off? I remember going, "Wow, man, that's a lot." Barry schemed that up good. Like there was three defenders there waiting for that pick. How did what what is Rasul even doing there? Is what I was thinking. Now it was because he left his corner. Exactly. <laughs> he left his corner. He left his zone match principle. So they seen that. So what did, what did they see? Okay, let's do a little a little uh, stop and go. Where it, I guess you could consider an out and go, but a little stutter move underneath. They seen him bite off to the races. It just insult the injury watching Rasul land on his keister on that play, too. That was a bad look. But uh, the other one, Savage, did something very similar. They ran a little spot concept with a dig over the top, essentially a wrap out of a bunch. I think the other route in that combination, that three-man combination, was a flat. So it was a flat with a wrap. So you had a flat stretching it horizontally where Quay played it perfect in his own match. 
You had the sit, right, that drew Savage up. You had Rasul Douglas in zone match cover three, okay? So he's he's playing it safe, playing cover three match. He's got to cover the deep third. So Savage has got to stay at home. They ran the sit. Savage jumped it. And here come the backside dig. Wasn't Rasul's responsibility. You could see Savage go, like, get so angry at himself, too, because he bit. He got too aggressive. Guys, that is not on Joe Barry. Now, yep. immediately people go, oh, he's supposed to coach him up. That's a first-round pick. Are you, are you, does Joe Barry need to walk out there to Darnell Savage, who's been right. in the league for four years, and hold and his hold hand and go, listen, now, if they run a sit, you can't jump that, okay? I'm sorry, man. I I have way – For nine million bucks? <laughs> better, better not. We could put Goose out there to just stand in the middle of the field for – 35 bucks, probably. I think that reinforces <laughs> Jacob's point, too, because we see that with the tackle, tackling technique sometimes. We get these, our, our DBs, corners and safeties, like to kind of fly in. And sometimes it looks great and they blow it up, but sometimes, man, do they miss bad. And it's one move and, and, a, and a three or four yard gain turns into 20. And it's just, you got to play better. You got to play more fundamentally sound out there. Yeah, no doubt. Goose said, are, are you going to look at the reverse play the Lions pull for like 50 yards? It was well-schemed, but also the defense took it hook, line, and sinker. Um, I haven't got to it yet. If it's – if like I said, if it's if it's within the first 24 points scored, it'll be on there, and you'll – you will hear the frustration of my voice, I guarantee it. But uh, That you know, was that, the gadget play I warned everybody about on the pregame. Yeah. I, I, I knew it, well, at least one of them was coming, and, and, and I saw it. You remember that? He goes, there's yeah. the gadget play. we weren't ready perfect time to call it we were not ready let's look at special teams real quick then we're going to move on um this is hard for you guys to see i'm going to read it off isaiah mcduffie had 17 snaps on special teams 82.7 keep in mind he played inside linebacker pretty much the whole game as well in place of devondre campbell um eric wilson uh, 21 snaps, 80.2. Those were the the two. You know, I mean, those are great special teams grades. Great job there. Tucker Craft, 69.4. Christian, uh, Christian Welch, which you guys know, Paul Brettel on this show said, look for Christian Welch to be elevated. He was because of special teams, uh, 68.8. Carrington Valentine, only seven snaps, 66.4. Let's look at the bad ones. Quay Walker only played seven snaps on special teams, but a 29.8. I'm pretty sure the penalty, the leaping penalty, brought that down big time there. Um, Kingsley and Ibarre, 46.0. I think they got him for a false start um, on a punt. Just can't have it, guys. You cannot have it there. Um, All right, let's move on to some injury. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to talk about Dallin Levitt at the bottom of that list, Mr. I'm on this team for special teams purposes. (laughs) You're right. 28 snaps. He had the most snaps of anybody on special teams, and he has a 51.3. Booty cheeks. Yeah. That was tough to watch. Even harder to see in person, man. Good God, was that bad. So bad. All right, let's move on to uh, injury news. Um, somebody was asking about Luke Musgrave. I haven't heard anything, but, I mean, it's pretty much common knowledge. He's in concussion protocol. Um, now, here's the thing with that. we got a long week, right? We don't play until next Sunday, so he's basically got 10 days to get through concussion protocol. Quay Walker got through it, um, you know, on a seven-day schedule. So, I feel played, good about Musgrave making it back. We What's play next day? Monday. We got a whole longer week. We play until next Monday. Oh, so we got Monday Night Football next. Yeah. Yep. Nice. In Vegas, right? Am Vegas. I thinking right? Yep. Got it. So All hopefully right. the extra time will help him clear the 
clear the protocol. Yeah. Garoppolo right now, he's not playing this week, too. He's battling an injury. So be nice to, to catch a backup out there, wouldn't it? Do we? Um, yeah, who is who's Vegas's backup? Um, I think it's uh, the guy he brung over Jared Stidham. Am I thinking right, Jacob? Rich Gannon. Oh, yeah. Rich Gannon. <laughs> Kenny Stabler. Kenny Stabler. Uh, All right, injury updates here. Uh, Matt Schneidman said uh, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, I don't care, you can call it bunk bed, doesn't matter to me. Matt LaFleur said um, on Eric Stokes, chances to return to practice next week. Um, of course, he's, he's uh, missed the required four games while on PUP. Quote, we're hopeful, but we'll see. Okay, so got some good information there. Um, Matt Schneiman also tweeted out, <laughs> Matt LaFleur said Aaron Jones and Christian Watson were both on a pitch count last night in their first games back from injury. He's hopeful they can both have a full workload next Monday night in Vegas with the extended rest. So um, kind of goes hand in hand with the decoy talk that we talked about a little bit, right? This one right here was a bit of a surprise, um, as if this is from Rob Domofsky, as if the Packers' offensive line didn't have enough issues. Guard John Runyon was in a walking boot today. He said he has a sprained left ankle, although it's not a high ankle sprain, which leaves him hopeful to play a week from Monday at the Raiders. So you guys know the lower the sprain, the better. Um, the higher that thing gets, the more painful, and the longer it takes for it to heal up. Now, also, Jair Alexander, this is kind of hard to see, but Bill Huber said, LaFleur says they're not, quote, overly concerned about Jair Alexander's back injury, but as he points out, anyone with a back problem knows the unpredictability. Don't like the way that sounds, but yeah. uh, back injuries suck, man. I'm, I deal with one every day and uh, had two ruptured discs in my lower back, and I used to hear people talk about their back, and I go, man, shut up, dude. It can't be that bad. I got a back yeah. injury, blew two discs out, and went, this sucks. This this yeah. sucks bad. Like, now try and try and play football. Oh let yeah, alone, let alone get up off the couch or the floor. When, when people talk about back injuries in football, I immediately go, "God, how would you do that, man? There ain't enough Toradol in the world to get me through a game with a back injury." But uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. So next, would we agree about- though? Real quick, real quick, would we agree that that JRJ is probably. Uh, the brightest spot of the the darkest spot of those guys of Myers and Newman. I, would would we think that you know Runyon's the guy that you do want to see, hopefully not affected. If you, I, I'm, like, I'm gonna try, I know, I'm gonna, I know. To, I'm gonna try to decipher what you said there. Um, if you're asking me, which one do you like best out of Royce Newman, Josh Myers, and John Runyon, Jacob? I yeah. think you would agree it's John Runyon, right? Yeah, to save one from a fire. Uh, <laughs> it's got dark between Goose Yikes. and Chat and you in here, Jacob. This thing got dark quick. Even Runyon. Yeah, now John Runyon is a good pass blocker. Um, and again, guys, when it comes to run blocking, man, I I always I can just hear, you know, I, I asked Mike Wall, hey, what's up with the run blocking? He's going, Clayton, look at what they're asking him to do. And I'm like, I always think of that. And then immediately this game, I'm watching the tape. I sit down and get my cup of coffee. I'm like, all right, let's see, let's really focus in. Is that Royce Newman pulling on a counter? What in the – all I can hear is Mike going, look at what they're asking him to do. Oh, <laughs> be like man. asking me to take the SAT today, bro. That ain't going to end well. Are you kidding me? That's going to end well at all. Um, all right. So let's talk about the first quarter, all right, PFF grade. Is that cool with you guys? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have time to cover everything, but what I wanted to key in on is that you guys know I have what I call tier one positions, right? Positions of tier one importance. Um, on offense, there's two quarterback and left tackle. 
On defense, there's two, interior defensive line and edge defender, okay? What do I mean by that? I think that the most important aspect of your roster, the most important aspect of your football team is the quarterback position and protecting his blind side. If you're Tua in Miami, it's right tackle, right? Protecting the blind side where the where the quarterback feels comfortable and when you can you can kind of you can set your protection to say, okay, that guy there, we don't have to worry about getting him any help at all, right? And now you could kind of set the protection to allow double teams to take place, especially in a four-man rush situation across the rest of the offensive line. You feel good about your backside. All right. So um on defense, we're all we all know we're looking for that three tech, right? The Aaron Donald, the Fletcher Coxes. Uh, you know everybody kind of – I don't want to say they poke fun at Philly, but they were like, why would they take Jalen Carter? They got one of the best defensive lines in the game because it's that important, right? Um, you need someone who can get pressure on the quarterback but also stop the run. Kenny Clark is not stopping the run right now, guys. I love Kenny. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mean, we'll, we can talk, we'll talk about the PFF grades here in a minute. Let's go through offense first. Quarterback, all right? This right here is uh, PFF grades for across the league quarterbacks, okay? And I'm going to try to mention the minimal dropbacks. That way you guys know, okay, they don't really count, and then we can adjust as far as where Jordan Love goes, all right? Let's talk about the top five. Number one, Tua Tungabailoa. 92.2. Number two, Patrick Mahomes, 90.0. Um, number three, don't count because it's Mike White. Uh, only two snaps. Not that I got anything about, against old Mikey boy, but two snaps ain't going to get it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 85.9. Jared Goff, 83.7. Okay. Now, Keenan Allen comes in six, you know, wide receiver for the Chargers with an 82.3. Of course, that's only one snap. Now, you're going, well, where's Jordan Love? I don't want you to read all these off. Good. I didn't want to read them either. Um, Jordan Love is 26. Now keep in mind, you got to remove Mike White, you got to remove Keenan Allen, you got to remove Andy Dalton, and um, I'm sorry, not not Andy Dalton. You got to remove Mike White, Keenan Allen, Taysom Hill, and probably even Jameis Winston, right? Who only had 17 snaps, okay, or 17 dropbacks, I should say. So if you remove those, how many people is that? That's uh, one, two, three, four guys, right? Then you'll push Jordan Love up from 26th to 22nd, 
Okay, so Jordan Love right now, according to PFF, in the first quarter of the season, his first year starting as quarterback, he is 22nd as far as overall offensive grade. Now, keep in mind, he's even lower than that on passing grade because his running grade has been fairly decent at a, I believe, let's see what it was, a 72.9. So that raises his overall offensive grade up a touch. Uh, Jacob, do you feel like that's a fair grade for what you've seen from Jordan? Or do you think, no, he's 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 definitely uh, – more valuable than the 22nd quarterback in the league? I, I don't know, man. It's tough. Um, logically, I look at that, and it makes sense, I guess, when you look at the way that the, the games has progressed. What I thought was interesting when I looked at it today, now granted the, the, the Packers and the Lions have played one more game than any other team, but right, as of right now, Jordan Love is second in passing attempts, uh, only second to Kirk Cousins, which I know obviously that's going to change quite drastically. But even if you add in another whole full game, I still think that's kind of impressive. I don't know if the word's impressive, but it's uh, something I wouldn't have expected. I did not expect that they were going to be having Jordan Love throw a lot of balls. I thought they were going to be <laughs> Me neither, man. very heavily on the run. And I, it just, you know, <clears throat> I'm a little bit surprised with that. Uh, 901 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions. He's taken eight sacks. So, up until this last game, you take away two interceptions, you take away f- five sacks. I think it was yeah. numbers look quite a lot, uh, a, a lot better, a lot yeah. more impressive. So I'm not freaking out right now. Um, again, we talked about it. It's we're two and two going into a year where we're the youngest team in the NFL. We've got a lot of injuries. I I'm not mad at that grade. Um, I I wish it was better, obviously, but I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and flip tables saying that that's an inappropriate grade because I understand why it is. Yeah. Tim, what do you think? Well, I agree. And like you said, this is the PFF kind of doesn't like him right now. And it's just (laughs) kind of, kind of what it is. Um, It, the thing that I drew the most from it was it, you kind of touched on it. It's interesting how going into this game, we, we thought it was just going to be so much different. And then to see them just come out and throw the ball and throw the ball and throw the ball and just, it didn't help, you know? And like, to your point earlier, you've got to at least attempt to run the ball. Even if you're running and getting no gains, even if you're getting tackled for loss, you, the defense has got to believe you're going to run it 10% of the time, <laughs> like at, at least. And what, what we saw was Detroit knew that that wasn't going to happen, you know? And yeah. They ate us up, man. You know, I I fully expect, like Jacob said, you know, it's early. They're two and two. You know, the sky is not falling. Uh, right. We've got a good chunk of the season left. I, I think the numbers will will improve and will balance out. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, real quick, just does it make sense to you guys? That I think we've seen that Jordan Love clearly is a second half quarterback. He yeah. doesn't get hot right away. He needs yeah. a couple minutes, a couple drives to get. Uh, so why? If I'm Matt LaFleur, like, I want to pepper in as much Aaron Jones initially to take that pressure off him. Why don't we see more Jets motion? Where did it go? Where are the, the, the tr- like, we have these weird trick plays now, but not like the conventional more trick plays where, like, we ran a, a read option kind of thing and, like, an actual legit quarterback option. The speed and option, yeah. Or a speed actually, option, yeah. Actually, it was a triple option, so they yeah. faked the running back. Then ran just, to me, it's like, okay, let's, like you talked about, Clayton, let's simplify this. Let's just maybe do some some counters, some some old school dives. Like, let's just actually try to maybe – Inside zone. Back. Inside yeah. zone, let's do a lot more. Like, I, I 
then you try your your strong toss right or whatever you know right. mix it up yeah i agree yeah i just and, it just seems like we're we're really making it way harder than it needs to be at this yeah. point in the season traditionally this scheme is known as a wide zone boot scheme west coast wide zone boot what's that mean west coast terminology west coast passing concepts and principles which is pretty much universal but you know it, it originated with west coast um wide zone your staple run is wide zone running, okay? And then you boot action off of that. How many boots did you see against Detroit? I don't remember seeing one. I ain't through the – like, I'm really keying in on how we went down 24 to 3. But I saw I'm not some sure bad bad naked boots. Yeah, and we ran <laughs> we ran drift a lot. Drift The drift concept is a staple in the old school Kyle Shanahan offense all the way back to Washington when RG3 won Rookie of the Year. A lot of people don't know that, but Matt LaFleur was RG3's quarterback's coach the year that he won Rookie of the Year. They leaned on drift out of the pistol. That's what we're running right now. We're running play-action drift out of the pistol this very moment. We're, 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 this is looking more like Washington's offense under RG3 than it is Sean McVay's offense in L.A. and darn sure more like – Washington's offense way back in the day than San Francisco's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Goose in the chat said, I think we're seeing Jordan Love, so a lot of learning, um, but we are also seeing a lot of promise. I completely agree. Um, Josh Martin, thank you for the super chat. He said, Love has the third lowest completion percentage. He's ahead of Burrow and Wilson. You can take away Burrow because of injury. So he's only ahead of Zach Wilson. Guys, I, I know – I know Jordan Love fans don't want to acknowledge completion percentage. Last year, I pointed completion percentage out with Aaron Rodgers, and I got absolutely annihilated. That's a stupid stat. It doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I got picked apart for it on, on the old Twitter bird. It was, you're just trying to find anything. to look. No, I'm, I'm telling you, before he broke his thumb, he was 1% higher than his career average of 65%. It dipped all the way down to 61, and then after the buy, the thumb healed up. He came back to 64, 65%. It was like absolute pandemonium because I mentioned that. Jordan Love is barely has a barely higher completion percentage than Zach Wilson right now. And again, it's not, it's not the only stat that matters, but you can't just brush that under the freaking rug, boys. He's inaccurate. Like, we heard about it in camp. You're seeing it now. It doesn't make him a horrible quarterback. It doesn't mean we can't fix it, but we got to acknowledge that. Like that, that I'm telling you, man, that double dig wide open and he missed it. It's like, mm, you, you got to be able to make that throw. And it's down the middle, down right. I mean, right down the pocket, right down the middle. To me, it looked like a clean pocket. Um, but yeah, Josh, thank you for the super chat. It sucks to talk about it. I would much rather be sitting here saying, no, Jordan Love's as accurate as anybody. But, you know, if you see it, you got to say it. And that's been rough up to this point. Now, the mechanics, you guys heard Jake Shavink on the postgame show, right? What did he say? Man, his throwing motion looks a lot like Aaron Rodgers. That's not a good thing. <laughs> you know, he's learned some of that flat-footed hop torque to throw the ball from, from Aaron. And you actually heard, you can go back and listen to his personal quarterback coach, Armed and Dangerous, you can follow him on Twitter. He did a podcast with, it was either Tyler, I can't remember his name. Was it Tyler Dunn, maybe? Um, interviewed him. 
And he said, we, we were all over here. This, this was two years ago. He's like, you know, we see him picking stuff up from Aaron and I, and this is what his personal quarterback coach said was, you can't do that. 12 can do that, but 12 is an alien. That's what he said. You can't do that. And, you know, unfortunately he's picked some of that stuff up, you know, but uh, again, Josh Martin, thank you so much for the super chat, but we appreciate it. Um, Did he pick up uh, changing the protections at the line of scrimmage? Me? That would have helped. Well, we, we got to pry that out of the hands of Josh Myers, which I don't think that yeah, would be no. too hard. He doesn't seem very excited about having the floor, such a – LaFleur in his press conference admitted that there was two different situations or two different snaps where the, it was his fault, basically, for the press coverage and stuff. So I don't know how that works out. I don't know how that would end up being his fault, but he did admit that in one of his press conferences. that He, he admitted what now, Jacob, specifically? I'm sorry. He, was, he had something um, – uh, the, the offensive line, something to do with the, the breakdown. He admitted that it was somehow his fault in the play calling. And he did say specifically that like he had that he wasn't perfect, but he was responsible for maybe two or three of the really bad plays and he owned that. And I do like that about Matt LaFleur that he's willing to say that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's just I, I hate it seems like every Matt LaFleur again post conference press conference that I see it's like, oh yeah, like oh we should have done that better. That's a good idea. Like I'll do that next time and then Next week happens and the same stuff happens and he goes, oh yeah, we really need to get this guy in the in the game more and we really need to do this, you know, we need to adjust this and we need to adjust that. And it's like, well then just do it, dude. Like, quit telling us after the game about how you wished you did it. Just do it, bro. I I hate that they have to answer questions after a game, man. Like yeah. it, it. Oh, I, I, would, I would not want to do that, man. I would be <laughs> fired so quick. I'd be I'd be up there with a straw with spitballs and they not <laughs> there, buddy. Take that one. Oh, you, your mom's ugly. So how about that? <laughs> I would not handle it well at all. So I respect I, any coach that stands up there and, and takes that. I'd pull the Marshawn. I'm just here so I don't get fired. No, the yeah. best Marshawn <laughs> I've seen it. It popped up on a reel the other day on YouTube. Was the one where he's at the and they ask him a question. He'd go, "Yeah." <laughs> they ask him the next question. It was like a three sentence, you know, and then question. He go, uh-huh. "Yeah." <laughs> 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 But hey, knowing the rules, right? Know the rules. Moment, the, the exactly. you have to be available for media. You that that's basically what it says, right? Yeah. Doesn't say anything and else, he, but you have to be there. In trouble for the same stuff, where he would just kind of like not want to talk to him at all, and he'd just sit there and be like, "Yep, yep. yeah." Question, bye. Okay. And again, the media, you know, the press, the local Green Bay press, they're doing their job, right? I got it. What I don't like is when they tag team. They get together behind the scenes and go, okay, you ask this. Yeah. That'll set them up for here. I'll ask this. And then you come back with this and we'll corner them into it's like, come on, guys. You catch somebody at their lowest point and do that. Man, that bothers me. Carly Ray in the chat says, the thing that scares me about Love's lack of accuracy is that he could have, quote, or in parentheses, and probably has been working on accuracy for the last three years. I think he should have fixed it by now. And she went on to say, if he improves in other things but never improves his accuracy, do we want him as the Packers quarterback? I know my answer is no, absolutely not. Accuracy is the most important. I think it's more important than anything else. You know, people get so caught up in Zach Zach Wilson, perfect example. Why did Zach Wilson get drafted so high? Out there in shorts and a tank top with his cute little headband, throwing off his back foot 70 yards. Look at his arm talent. And then he gets in, gets in the game. He loses all accuracy. He's rattled from the get-go. 
there was there was four attributes that I broke down. I've got them wrote down somewhere. I know it's um, the the four things that I think is most important for a quarterback is pre-snap read, post-snap read, not necessarily in these orders, pre-snap read, post-snap read, accuracy, and quick release. Notice you didn't hear throwing power, right? You didn't hear arm strength. You didn't hear that. And the reason being is, you know, when do you need that that arm strength? There's not a quarterback in the league that can't throw the ball 60 yards. I'm sorry. Like, you, you, Sean Clifford, right? Sean Clifford, I guarantee you could throw a ball 60 yards. Guarantee it. Now, can you do it accurately? I don't know. But You have to to play at that level. Yeah, you have to. So people get caught up in an extra two yards of distance or whatever it is or an extra mile per hour. You know, we got so used to watching Brett do it for years, humming that tater between three defenders, right? You get caught up in it. But what what's anyway. a nickel? Yeah, exactly. What, what's a what what is Check a nickel? Out or put out a DB. Why don't they just say that? <laughs> you think God never farted? <laughs> yeah, when he when he asked him that, like he said, I pulled I pulled Ty Detmer to the side and I said, Ty, I said, they keep talking about nickel, like you know, nickel's him. What's this? And he went, You serious? He said. Yeah, he said, it's, you know, it's five DBs. He said they take they take a linebacker out and put another cornerback in, so it's five DBs, it's nickel. And he said, Brett looked at him and went, who the hell cares? <laughs> <laughs> like he had no idea what a matchup was, man. None whatsoever. He's just out there winging that thing around. Hilarious. But, all right, let's do this. We're, we fall. We fell way behind, all right? I said we fall way behind. Um, let's move on to offensive tackle. So I don't want to read them all off, okay, but the highest-graded offensive tackle in the game is still Trent Brown in New England, okay, 87.7. Of course, you're going to see Trent Williams with San Francisco way up there as well at 82.5. David Bakhtiari only played one game. I think it was 55 snaps, and uh, David Bakhtiari is tied for 11th place at a 78.3, okay? Now, you've seen the offense sputter ever since David Bakhtiari left the lineup. That's how important it is. I mean, I don't think anybody's arguing that at this point. If you climb on down this list, the next highest tackle on the Green Bay Packers roster is Zach Tom at 76.3. That's 16th in the league. Now, we all know he plays right tackle, right? Not as important as left tackle. I'm not suggesting they should put him at left tackle. I'm not saying that because I'm with Mike Wall. He settled in at right tackle. Don't create this musical chairs of but the reason being is if you pull Zach Tom and you put him at left tackle, he is a worse left tackle than David Bakhtiari. And then you put Rashid Walker at right tackle. Rashid Walker is a worse tackle than Zach Tom. You're now getting bad at two different positions as opposed to just one, right? And you can kind of make up for that uh, in due time. So the next highest graded tackle is Rashid Walker at a 67.7 on the Packers roster, 67.7. He's the 34th highest tackle. You want to know why the offense is struggling, right? Rasheed Walker has played well, considering he's a seventh-round pick, second-year player, right? But he's still grading grading out as a backup left tackle, okay? we got to put that into perspective. What I mean by that is if he was a legit left tackle, he would be in the top 32, you know what I'm saying? He's on that cusp, but – when you go from David Bakhtiari to 78.3, basically a top 10 tackle, even with a bum knee, to a 67.7 backup quality Rasheed Walker, a good backup, don't get me wrong, that's what's going on at the left tackle position. Again, that is a tier one position, quarterback and left tackle. We showed you Jordan Love, who graded out, like Goose pointed out, 21-22 range, right, in the league. And now you've got your starting left tackle, Rasheed Walker, is 34th in the league. 
Um, you guys agree with that? What do you think, Jacob? You think it's uh, as am I making too much, uh, too big of a deal out of that? No, I mean, um, it's encouraging, obviously, to see that we have guys that are capable, but um, obviously, Rashid Walker, I, I just hope he can take a step and uh, we can stay healthy. I don't know. I'm I, like I said, I'm always going to be more worried about that left guard position. I'm, I really do think Rashid Walker, we talked about, like you said, with Mike Wall, he's got the footwork, he's got the potential. I think we've seen that now he's coming into his own. Um, and obviously we know what Zach Tom can do and he's ranking very highly, but I'm just that interior defensive line. I don't think it matters how great our, our, um, our tackles are because it's so booty cheeks in between that. It's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. I I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe if we take this next extended kind of mini bye week here and we try to get a little bit healthy, maybe they try to get together. I don't know what we can do. If you're the, I saw somebody um, talked about in the comments earlier that they want Stenovich back at the old line. Kind of, kind of think, yeah, dude. Like, if I'm Lafleur, do I say, "Hey, man, go take a minute with them for like four days. Let's just see what you can do. If you need to go back in there and you know reiterate certain values and certain procedures or whatever that it was that that made these guys so good at their job, let's make yeah. sure that that's being, you know, doing your due diligence. I guess there because that that's just to me is our biggest glaring need right now but yeah josh martin thank you for the super chat man he said i might be in the minority but we're the packers the standard is divisions and super bowls it shouldn't change because of love you lower the standard it becomes the standard very well said and i completely agree um we're using this year obviously to evaluate love it's going to be a strong quarterback class guys coming in i'm not saying we should bell on love yet but here's what's going to happen uh, and again, Josh Martin, thank you, thank you so much for the super chat, man. I don't think I don't think they're doing that at twelve sixty five. I really don't. But uh, this quarterback class coming in, what's going to happen is they had a grade on Jordan Love. Okay, my guess is the grade they had on Jordan Love was probably a six point five. Okay, that probably is probably a six a six five coming out of college. You always draft a quarterback one tier higher than they're actually worth because it's that important of a position, right? Basically, he they they looked at him as a first round talent that the, the Packers did hands down. Right. Um, I don't think they looked at him as a top 10 talent, but definitely a first round talent. So you take a swing there. If you've got, you know, just the pick of the litter, let's say it's between, uh, you know, uh, Caleb Williams, right. Uh, Sam Hartman. And I don't want to start listing names cause I'm not this well-versed in college football, but um, you've got the kid out Drake of North May. Carolina. What's that? Drake may one of those guys. Drake, or- yeah. That's, that's uh that's our boy in North Carolina. Let's say you've got three quarterbacks, right, that all grade out with a 7.0, okay, significantly higher than Jordan Love. Then you figure out a way to draft that quarterback if it's if it's within reach, especially if one falls to you a la Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, right? That's how – so going in this draft, let's just play devil's advocate for a second and say Jordan Love isn't the guy, right? Well, you're going into this draft – you're, you know, you've got your first round pick, right? Let's say they finish, you know, middle of the pack and we've got the 15th overall pick, 17th overall pick. Let's just play along here for a second. You've got the Jets, you know, which is an absolute disaster over there. We got their second round pick, which should be probably a top five pick in the second round. Plus, you've got your second round pick. You've got you've got draft capital to be able to move up. Now, pause. I hope Jordan loves the guy. I love Jordan Love's demeanor. I love how he plays late in the game. I love that his teammates love playing with him. 
but you've got to fix that completion percentage. Not necessarily percentage. I, I keep saying that because that's the statistic that kind of reflects it. You've got to fix that accuracy. You've got to, um, no doubt. But again, Josh Martin, thank you so much for the super chat. Um, this was a good question here. Zach Miller said, what's an acceptable completion percentage? And uh, Goose said above 60, 60%. And he went on to say, uh, preferably 65%. 65%. 65%. That's what we- <laughs> he answered that for you. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's funny, man. That's just taking a, taking on a <laughs> sack. Miller said, Ooh, was going to point out it was 64% in the game, but you got me with the 65%. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. He improved this last game accuracy wise. Jordan Love did, right? If he doesn't throw that late game interception and somehow we score on that drive, then, you know, I understand if ifs were fists, we'd all be drunk. But <laughs> if, he, if he completes, if, if they complete that drive and he score a touchdown and he doesn't throw that pick, we're feeling a lot better about Jordan Love. But again, that first half was just, it was rough. It was rough, no doubt about it. All right, Tim, we're going to move on to the next one. We'll get your take on this one first because we are running out of time. Um, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. So, we, first of all, recap we pointed out quarterback, 21st in the league, PFF grade wise, offensive tackle, left tackle specifically, uh, that, that tier one of importance position, um, 34th in the league with Rasheed Walker. Now, interior defensive line, this one hurts, guys. Notice we don't have number one on the list here, okay? I had to start at 53 to get them on here where you guys could actually read it. So, interior defensive line, uh, you know, one to three tech, not necessarily playing nose in the 34, but that guy that can get after the pass, uh, get after the the quarterback as well as play the run well, right? Our top guy right now, um, surprisingly, is TJ Slayton. I'm going to say that again. We talked about on the postgame show, right? We all said, hey, look, we felt like he had a pretty good game. T.J. Slayton on the year is grading out as a 66.1. Unfortunately, that's the 54th highest interior defensive lineman in the entire National Football League, okay? But, again, he's the best right now on the roster. Kenny Clark is 59th. You heard that right. T.J. Slayton is grading out 66.1. Kenny Clark is 64.0, okay? I went back and ran and looked at the past two. The past three years, Kenny Clark graded out in the 60s all three past the past three years. Okay. Uh, I love Kenny. I think he's a great man. I think he is one of the best at getting after the quarterback, but because of that run defense, he's not worth 20 million a year. I'm sorry. It's just it's too much of a percentage of the cap to eat up. Um, and, and the dude is he's a leader. He's everything you want other than a run defender, right? I mean, when you look at it, um, that's that's what sticks out to you. Now you got to climb down a little bit further. Devontae Wyatt, 65th at a 62.0, okay? You want to know what's wrong with the run defense? You can sit here and scream at scheme and this and that. We've talked about missed tackles from the safety position, from the linebacker position, but the interior defensive line, I mean, Jacob, what's your take? T.J. Slayton, 54th, Kenny Clark, 59th, and then you've got Devontae Wyatt, 65th. When I turn on the tape, I don't go, oh, that isn't accurate, I think. Yeah, you you wonder why we're not getting a push up front. We're underperforming on the defensive line right now. Yeah, real quick, can you tell me what is the twenty seven point four grade for Devontae? Is that his hmm. tackling or what is that? Run I'm pull, I'll, I'll go to PFF real quick and get that for you. Who, who which uh, which player? Because both of them, uh, Clark's got a so for Devontae Wyatt. There's a twenty seven point four grade, which is just obviously horrible. Um, that's one of Kenny's lowest two at sixty point um, I'm proud of my boy. I go, I told you guys. I told you. T.J. Slayton is the truth. The truth. He's the truth. Mr. Hey. Uh, Gilbert Brown doing the grave digger. Um, but, no, I mean, I I, 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 actually, a wild, I haven't looked yet, but I'm going to take a wild guess. I think it's probably going to be tackling. 
but tack let's uh, let's see if we can figure it out here real quick. I was wondering if it would be Tacklin because I've seen, um, even in this last game, Devontae Wyatt breaks through, has a very clear shot at taking the running back down for negative yardage and just absolutely whiffs on him. I mean, just whiffs. And mm-hmm. I think I've seen that now out of him a couple different times. And if that's the case, like you talked about, man, um, Barry can only do so much. You know, he schemes open all these guys. They have open shots, open uh, open shots at interceptions, open shots at tackles, open shots at, you know, pass breakups. And we just, for whatever reason, whiff on them. And that we can't blame the, the schematics there. you got to blame the individual performers and the performances that they're having. And I just, I don't see us stepping up. And it makes me sad because, man, I really had a lot of, a, a lot of hope for Devontae Wyatt specifically and Kenny Clark. And obviously, like I said, TJ Slayton right now is outperforming what I thought he was possible of. So I'm not going to get mad at him. To answer your question, defensive grade 62.0, run defense 50.4, tackle grade 27.4. Yeah, that's what we Tackle grade, yeah. That's what we talked about. It's been the thing that we've knocked on the most for. Tim, what do you think, buddy? Def- interior defensive line, do you disagree with that? Anything stick out to you? What's your take mm, on that? No, I'm with you guys. Um, I will say this. We're four games in, and uh, a great start is always nice, but it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And I really think these guys have a lot of football left to play. Hopefully we see some improvement. But, you know, when you're going with this idea of, yeah, well, we can't we can't stop the run. You know, we're our defense is designed to limit explosive plays in the passing game. And uh, it just is what it is. And it's like, OK, that's true. But can we, like, make an effort to, like, contain the run? Maybe stop the explosive plays in the run game um, or underneath? Um, and I think it does. It comes down to, you know, you can be schemed and set up in the right technique, right place, but you got to you got to get off your block and you got to make the tackle you, like that's on the player. So hopefully as the season grinds along, you know, we can get get some uh, positive steps in, in the run game. But, yeah, we need to see guys. And really, to Jacob's point, I mean, TJ Slayton's the only guy I've really seen do that with any kind of regularity where he's yeah. literally just he's ripping right off of that block i mean he's blocked for a second and he's off of it and he's he's getting involved um you know you made the comment too you know we did see quay firing in there or no i believe that was uh i think it was either you or or jake shavink said that the other day that that quay was kind of cleaning up a lot of uh tj's um mm-hmm. you know initial stops there which which is good it's a team game you know sometimes it takes more than one guy to bring down a ball carrier even if one of those guys is big TJ. So, um, and Kenny, you know, to your point, he's a vet. Um, he's a leader. Um, things that he needs to work on, he knows it. And hopefully he does clean it up. And Devontae Wyatt's got a got a little bit longer to go, but I think yeah. these guys are going to build, man. He's a great I, pass rusher, man. Devontae yeah. Wyatt's a great pass rusher. You know, it's like Jake Shavink giggled on the live stream. What did he say? He giggled and said, yeah, I mean, he's he's a great guy to rush off the outside shoulder of the guard. That's what he did in college so well, right? And, yeah. it's, again, it's how we've drafted. Uh, Boz with the super chat. Appreciate all the work you uh, – appreciate all the work you all do. Keep it up. Go Pack. Go, the like, super-duper chat right yeah, there. Hey, we, we really, really appreciate that, man. That helps a lot. And, uh, you know, even more so than the, than the donation there, just, uh, you know, acknowledging – the work that's being put in, we uh, that goes a long way, man. But thank you so much for your generosity, dude. We really appreciate it. Um, so, 
Uh, there's a question here I want to hit real quick, then we'll get to Edge and we'll get you guys out of here. If you guys need to hop off, we went a little long. You guys just hop off. Don't even say anything. And I'll, I'll wrap it up as I go. But I did want to hit on this real quick. Um, the number one Packer fan said, this is where me and PFF fall off. Uh, you put those guys on any other team, and those numbers are different because we are not a run D team at all. We are focused on the pass. That's it. Um, I respectfully disagree, and I'll tell you why, number one Packer fan. When, when we come out in the, against the Detroit Lions, we were running a 43 defense in some cases, what we some would call a 43 solid look, what I call a 43 fat, flat line, six, six defenders on the line of scrimmage to defend the run. I know most people, not, not saying this about you, but most people on Twitter, the, you know, were, they take one screen grab of one play and go, hey, what are we doing on run defense? And it's like, why don't you post the solid looks? Why don't you post, you know what I mean, the bear fronts? Why don't you post those? They, they pick and choose. And I get that's that's what people do. Um, it, when you when you turn on those plays, right, look at the opening drive. We were, we were out there to stop the run, and we did it, right? We did it on the second drive, too, to the best of my knowledge. Um, so I respectfully disagree with that because – when you look at when you look at the matchups and you watch the tape, what you'd have to say is, okay, they're not worried about playing the run. When you see someone in run defense, they're having to occupy two gaps out of a 34 front, and they're getting slowly nudged backwards, and they're not closing off their gap, their outside shoulder of that blocker on each side. You're not going to convince me that, okay, on another team they would do that better. Joe Barry's not saying, hey, guys, listen, don't worry about beating your guys against the run, okay? He's not saying that. Now, what you say about we're just focused on the pass and that's it, I agree to a certain extent. That's how we've drafted. We put a premium on our guys being pass rushers before run defenders. Just like on the offensive line, we put a premium on being a better pass blocker than a run blocker. There's you know a yin and yang to that, right? And you're seeing it. It's why we suck at run blocking. And up to this last game against the Lions – we were arguably one of the best pass-blocking offensive line in the entire National Football League. But, uh, again, man, I appreciate your opinion. And, again, you, I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong, but uh, we definitely disagree there, and that's okay, man. Appreciate you uh, Appreciate your uh, chat there. All right, last one, Edge. Let's hit it real quick. This is a two-parter, so we'll go quick. Um, at the top of the league, Nick Bosa at a 93.9. You've actually got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven defenders, Edge defenders that are – over 90 PFF grade in that elite category, right? Very rare that someone gets over 90. Nick Bosa, uh, 93.9. Miles Garrett, 93.8. By the way, did you guys see him follow? Or he, they they noticed the other day. You guys need to go watch it. You could probably search it too. Miles Garrett, they were basically double team blocking him. He was on one end of the line. He stands up. Let me take this down for a second. He stands up and goes to the other opposite end of the line, and two guys, uh, two chippers, uh, uh, I think it was a tight end, I think it was two tight ends, stood up and followed him over to the other side of the line. That's how good this guy is. And then he stood up and went back over, and they ended up having to take a timeout to prevent the delay of game penalty. And they were laughing. Cleveland was laughing their rear ends off on the sideline because that, that's how good that guy is, right? Rashawn Gary is not on that level yet. Rashawn Gary is a great edge defender. But Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watts, 92.2. Micah Parsons, 91.8. They got exposed running at Micah this last game. That's why Dallas got carved up so so bad. 
Cardinals. Demarcus Lawrence, 91.7. Oh, by the way, you want to know why Dallas's defense is so good this year, guys? Look at that. Two edge defenders grading out over 90. Alex Highsmith in Pittsburgh, 90.4. So in Pittsburgh, you've got two edge defenders, 92.2, and you've got a 90.4. Um, so you got two on that team. Look at Dallas, Dallas has three in the top 12. They have Doran's wow, it, dude. Oh. <laughs> Bryce Huff for the Jets, 90.0. Um, look at this one, guys. Zadarius Smith in Cleveland. So Ooh. there's another one. Opposite Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is a 93.8. Zadarius Smith, 88.7. That's wild, man. You want to know why those guys, those, those defenses are in the top five in overall defense? There you go. But I say that to mention Rashawn Gary tied for 13th, okay, with an 85.3 coming off a freaking ACL tear nine months ago game. That is, I mean, that's really, really impressive. So the reason we're going through these tier one positions of importance for the first quarter of the season is what do we have? If this is, I don't want to say rebuilding, but we know no one was expecting this team to compete for a Super Bowl. None of us were saying that, right? I think we would all agree. So we got to identify what do we have and what do we don't have, right? We've got a top-tier edge defender. Now, how do you get a second top-tier edge defender, right? you got to you got to spend draft capital. And what did we do this year, Jacob? We went out and drafted Lucas Van Ness, right? Now, again, he's got to grow into that role just like Rashawn Gary did, but you can see they're, put, they're pouring – the uh, the draft capital into that position. So our next edge defender is Preston Smith in the 49th spot at 68.8. That is not going to cut it. Ain't going to get it done, right? So you would love to have two great edge defenders, but to sit here and pretend like every team has two great edge defenders is silly. It's there, you know, like I said, if they've got them down at the Dollar Tree, go pick us one up, but they, they don't grow on trees, right? Um, so what did you guys think about that? That one there from the edge position, nothing really surprising there, right, Jacob? No, I mean, like I said, I, um, I just can't believe Gary's been so efficient with such little snaps. I mean, that should give us all the confidence in the world. I'm a little bit nervous about LVN and his kind of lack of, I shouldn't say lack of prediction. I'm, I'm more nervous and worried about the fact that I thought Kingsley was going to take this big was it year three jump? And then he looked so good in preseason. All of a sudden, he's just been at the very, very absolute bottom of that grading system. And like Preston is just kind of pressing. You know, I, I, I don't really, he seems like he can still set an edge and that he's still kind of that steady Eddie kind of guy. And every now and then, maybe he'll get you a sack. But I do think that it's time to maybe upgrade that out of their position. Like you talked about, the elite defenses that are showing out this year is Dallas, Cleveland, guys that have double edges, multiple threats on that defensive line. We've got the, 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 the talent, they're just young and they're not honed in yet. So yeah. it'll be nice to see what this what this uh, defensive line looks like in another year or two. Yeah, definitely. Tim, what do you think, Bob? I agree. Uh, Jacob basically took my point. Um, to see Rashawn with this uh, 85.3, I believe, um, on, a, on a snap count, tied with Aiden Hutchinson, who we know from experience. <laughs> Aiden yeah. Hutchinson is a monster and is not on a snap count. So, um, Rashawn, once they really turn him loose and he's really, you know, fully back, you know, I don't know what do you guys think. I think he's probably 80% somewhere in that range right now. They, he seems to be getting peppered in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I noticed that on early downs too. We, you know, we started to really see him only on those third downs. Now we're, we're seeing him a little bit on first and second down too, being thrown into the mix. So I think Rashawn is going to continue to, uh, you know, be on the ascent. Um, 
when it comes to the grades and everything. But um, yeah, man, like uh, we need we need our edge guys again. This comes down to execution. It's you can talk about Joe Barry all you want, man. You know, if you got a chance to put a hit on the on the ball carrier on a quarterback, you got to do it. It's yeah. just that simple. You got to execute. No doubt about it. Goose in the chat said, you know, you know what I appreciate about you guys and Packernet in general? You guys are not condescending when you disagree unless their person earned it. <laughs> then especially <laughs> Ryan can bring the heat. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan's one of the best at that. Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like, it, as long as it's respectful, you know. And, and again, we're, we're all learning from each other, man. I, I don't understand. Like I said, I got to introduce the Twitter because a guy said, you know, basically went at a fan and said uh, – I do this for a living. We are not the same. And I'm like, hey, hold up a minute, bro. That's when everybody got introduced to my temper. Cause I, I mean, I cooked him. I cooked him. I was, he did, but he did say with all due respect though, didn't yeah. he? Before yeah, <laughs> with all due that's respect, your, I'm that's going the, to respect you. <laughs> that's like the infamous phrase that, you know, 90% of the time when you hear it, someone's about to say something really disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, number one Packer fan said, I'm a football guy too. I get it. LOL. Agree to disagree, brother. Then he said, uh, right here, goose. I agreed hundred percent. It's cool to be involved in a chat and be heard and, and agree to disagree with respect, not being compromised. Absolutely, man. And again, I may look up in three games ago. Damn, I know one Packer fan had it right. Yep, and I'm a moron. Yep. That I guarantee, like I say all the time, and I'm married. I'm wrong all the time. I promise you that. What was that, that quote that uh, which coach said that that if we're all we're all thinking the same, then we're not thinking. Bill Walsh. Bill, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. Yeah. Said, if we're all That's thinking right. a lot, then none of us are thinking at all. That's what he said. That's so, right. That's what makes this country great too. When uh. People aren't too busy and being corrupt and, uh, and uh, you know, building their own on both sides. Some people would, oh, Clayton's a – no, I hate them both. Don't get it. <laughs> Don't get it. Um, yeah, so, all right, let's see here. What else we got? I got to jump off, fellas. Yeah, go ahead. Go back up. All right, Swerve said, uh, nor do we have linebackers that shoot the gaps. Quay Walker waiting for Montgomery to run to him into the end zone. You aren't going to stop that flat-footed and the momentum. You know, I've seen that on tape. Uh, I've seen it with Quay, but i also seen it with uh, Rudy Ford. Um, it's an obvious running play. They weren't going okay as it play action, and they were like two yards deep in the end zone, and, and I'm going, why? I don't understand why they're hesitating. And there's some people go, this is Joe Barry playing off the ball. No, dude, Joe Barry's not going, guys, listen, here's the, here's the plan. I need you to stand three yards in the end zone. And when they hand the ball off, don't, don't worry about it, okay? The guys up front will take care. I promise you he's not saying that, right? But, uh, yeah. Oh, man. All right. I think we got through everything. Jacob, uh hate that he had to go. But, again, Tim, I'm sorry we went so long, man. It's just when the chat's active, it's uh, I feel obligated to hit on them, bub. Um, hey, it's all good, man. Parting thoughts, dude. We, we, we basically hit on everything. Um, what do you, what do you got parting thoughts wise, man? Oh man, just, uh, I guess stay positive guys. You know, this one hurt. I think this one hurt the most, um, theatrics aside, Detroit fans in Lambeau aside, it hurt cause it's a divisional game. It's a divisional yeah. game and we needed to win. Um, and, uh, I think we need, we have plenty of time. We got plenty of time here before, uh, the trip to Vegas. So, you know, I hope the guys are in the film room. I hope they're, they're getting their treatments, you know, we, we got to make corrections and we got to move forward. You you only look back in life if you're learning something, right? Otherwise you gotta, you gotta focus and, and yeah. move forward. So uh, I will end with just a quick shout out to uh, all my Milwaukee people that did make the journey that yes. did drive back, that did get up on short sleep and go to work. 
Um, not everybody are these, uh, not all the gold package uh, ticket holders are are the enemy here, guys. So uh, shout out to the real ones out there. I, I was a gold package guy. I still am. I, I went to tickets on a gold package. We don't miss games and we make sure they go to Packer fans if we do. So yeah. shout out to everyone that's the same way. We appreciate it. And again, it, it, it kind of goes with the Joe Barry talk and stuff too, Tim. Um, that got mentioned early on game day mm-hmm. going, hey, this is a gold package. And it got mentioned by a very prominent podcaster to a huge live audience said, this is the gold package crowd. You guys better show up. And it's like, okay, you just gave everyone fuel that if they don't show up, it's going to, you know what I mean? That yep. it's the same thing on a live stream. If you hear someone say, well, are they playing 10 yards off the ball? Then everybody runs and goes, well, this is Joe Barry's fault. This is Joe Barry's fault. Um, Joe Barry, don't get me wrong. He deserves blame too. Um, but uh, it's not just, you know, all him. Uh, Cheesehead Murph, great point, man. He said Savage was the worst on that play. He knows exactly the play. On it was the other yeah. defender. I'm telling you because he, he's seen it happening, but waited and, uh, you're exactly right, Murph. You described it to a T. I, I can see it in my mind. I was just looking at it on Chalk Talk while I was putting it together. He just kind of back there going, oh, it's a run. All right. Are you afraid they're going to run a freaking double reverse from the two-yard line? Like, get over there and help, man. <laughs> get over there and help. As I say, sitting, you know, 20 pounds overweight on my couch, right? <laughs> That's the way it works. All right, man. Um, Let's get out of here. Garrett Stritzel. I know I'm watching it too, but he said, go Irish. Notre Dame's up 10 to nothing. Like I was telling Tim offline, Garrett, it's tough, man. It's it's bittersweet. The Irish are winning, but, man, every time they run the ball, I'm like, why can't we do that with the Packers? <laughs> but a little bit different level of competition down there. I just hope we don't see an overcorrection uh, in Vegas and all we do is run and right. then we're not, we're not throwing it. <laughs> that's the other thing that's going to stick out on Chalk Talk I'm going to point out too, man. A couple explosive plays came from man coverage. Oh, yeah. Man coverage, you know. And, again, you get an explosive play, a play of more than 20 uh, twenty yards or more, it triples your chances of scoring on that drive. And every time they get an explosive play, they score on that drive. And it's uh, the same thing you and Mike Wall said on the offensive side. You know, don't ask guys to do things that they're not necessarily capable, capable of doing, you know. Yeah. I don't Absolutely. know how too many linebackers in the NFL that can press up on a wide receiver. Yep. So, and you know, the Jared Goff run, do you guys remember it? The scramble to the left, you know what it was? It was a, it was a TE stunt, a TE stunt where uh, Kobe Wooden, keep in mind, rookie defensive lineman, he falls down. Nobody's got contained. And you want to know why Jared Goff looked like Michael Vick on that play? Because everybody had their back turned to the ball playing man coverage. And it was actually yep. cover one man, not, uh, cover one robber. So you didn't have that safety dipping down in the box. You actually blitz five, you brung five on the pass rush and you just played straight up single high man. Everyone's back to the ball. Uh, all it takes is Kobe Wooden falling down on the TE stunt. And Jared Goff, like I said, turns on the, the white boy jets, which <laughs> weren't that impressive, but that's man coverage. That's man coverage. So, all right, let's get out of here, Tim. Dude, I appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you so much. I um, want to say this real quick. Uh, super Chats, thank you guys so much. Josh Martin, you are awesome, buddy. We appreciate your Super Chats. And Boz, man, very generous gift, man. We really, really appreciate you supporting the stream. It means a lot, man. It helps uh, recoup some of the losses we got with the equipment um, we had to purchase and all that stuff, so uh, we don't take it lightly. And everyone else in the chat, thank you guys for being interactive. Don't think you got a Super Chat. Uh, for us to appreciate it, man. Uh, we try to get to as many chats as we can, um, but obviously, I mean, we're an hour and 40 minutes into this thing, Tim. I'm sorry, dude. We went way over. But uh, Talking ball, man. I love it. 
Yeah, me too, man. I learned a lot tonight for sure, just digging through the numbers. Uh, I want to give a shout out to everybody in the YouTube group. If you're not a member, go check it out. Just hit join on our YouTube homepage, uh, become a member of the PTA Posse. I think it's for as little as $2.99 a month, um, and that'll enter you into our giveaways where we'll put your name on the, the wheel and spin it. Um, actually, this coming Sunday, I'm sorry, this coming Monday, next Monday night, <laughs> post game show. We're going to be spinning the wheel for an autographed John Coon jersey. So uh, you guys can get your, your get your name uh, in on that contest there and uh, potentially win an autographed jersey. So uh, appreciate everybody uh, being a member of the YouTube group. Also, if you're listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense.